<laughs> okay, good evening ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Blacksmith's Furnace with me Robert. Me Pete. Mo Mo or Muse Mo, whatever. And we've got Jimmy Lee here with us today as well. Special guest. And Leia. Leia! Okay. Say hi. Yeah, you like that? Say hey. hi. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get on topic. Before we get on topic, I want to share a story with you guys. My something happened on Monday. Easy. So Monday, it was it was a special day for me. It was the first time in like over a year that I had jerk chicken. Jeez. I don't know. Big up all my Jamaicans in the house. Which I was is actually wondering. But still, I was actually and wondering. Leia and half of Leia. It was it was so nice. <laughs> and like I ate on Monday. I could still feel it in my stomach on the Tuesday. <laughs> it just... I don't know if that's good, though. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to go see that to me. It was amazing. Yeah. You know, like... The, I don't know, but there's, the, um, there's this thing that... There's this, like, correlation between, like, Jamaican shops, their service, and the quality of their food. <laughs> what? From what I've heard, like, the ruder they are to you in, <laughs> in the restaurant, <laughs> the, better, the, better the nicer food. the food is. <laughs> That's what I've heard. Okay. So if I ever go into a shop and she's like, um, excuse me, what do you want? I'd be like, walk out. the food is not that great anyways. And you just walk out. That's what I heard. And from what I've seen, like personally, I can kind of ascribe to that. Mm. You know, actually, and this is not to say that all the Jamaicans are not rude because they're not. I know Jamelia. Mm-hmm. For the most part, she's not rude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leia's laughing. Watch your um, mouth, people. But actually, the only other jerk you can have had that's actually quite good. The person that says it's quite rude. Yeah. <laughs> like, for real. I think it's it's the arrogance. That I know that my food's good. What do you want? <laughs> no, it's not arrogance. No. It's just that. That's just how they talk. Um, Jamaican shops have bad customer service. They don't. They don't really. <laughs> You will not have bad customer it's service a, in a, Jesus' it's name. It's a trait. And we've complained, we complain about it all the time. Jamaicans mm. complain about Jamaican customer service. Yeah, hey! we do. Because it's ridiculous. We're spending our money in your shop and... You want to be looking at me like what? And then half the time you don't have ninety percent of the menu. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, can I get can I get curry goat? We're not have that. Can I get a patty? We're not have that. Like, no, we're not have that. It's, it's very. It's just demoralising. You're just like, can you tell me what you do have so I can make an order, perhaps? Nothing. Yeah. So your story? Yeah, that was the story. That's the story. That's the story. <laughs> yeah, I just that's, want to all share that. she, that's all he needs to say. I had jerk chicken. Full it's emotional. Stop. It's an emotional I to, time. I just, I just had to share that with you guys today. Thank so you. onto the first topic of the night. So I was on Twitter the other day, mm. and I think it was on Monday as well. After I had that, so that nice jerk chicken. Oh no 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 no! I don't. <laughs> no, 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 no. Anyway, so I was on Twitter, and then my friend retweeted um, this article where it said that. In the borough of Suffolk alone, there's 240 African churches just within that borough, and that is the the, the, the like the densest population of African churches outside of Africa. And I thought that was, I'm not surprised. It, it was like surprising, but but not surprising at the same time. If that makes sense. Yeah, I'm I'm curious as to what's the African population in the borough, like just the Africans there. Oh, yeah, I asked that, but still, there's way too many. There's bare Africans in, in Southwark. Because mm. Southwark's like Campbellwell, it's like Woolworth, Bevy Stullage. Okay. Maybe uh, I, think it, I think it just hits Brixton, I'm not sure. Okay, alright, so it's still south. Yeah, so like a very south populated area. I wonder if East Stullage would be considered, because it's Southwark as well. But that would be Jamaican yeah, it'll church. Be, it'll be considered a Caribbean church. Yo, why are you picking... Just because you're there doesn't make it African. Boy, I put some... I put some... <laughs> <laughs> you lot are minority I, in the vineyard. I put still. some some roots back no, into it. No, because you don't even have your accent unless you're in your family home, so... <laughs> yeah, and I just thought it was interesting because... Why do I think it was interesting? Because it's a lot. It's a lot. And that's just the African churches. That's not even taken into consideration. Oh, the ch- other churches. White yeah. churches, the intercontinental, continental country, different country churches as well. Mm. So, yeah. What okay. do you guys think about... And, and the thing is, all of these churches won't be like churches with actual buildings. Mm. Some of these will just be like a gathering mm. in, in like a sports hall. Mm. Mm. And I guess I just, I just want to ask, do you think... That many churches is needed in, in, in such a tight vicinity. Okay. All right. Well, so I, I yeah. 
It's yeah. an interesting way you phrased it. Is that amount of church is needed? Um, in terms of necessity of it, I would argue yes. Okay. Not from a perspective of quantity, but in perspective of the individuals. Mm. Because I know that the church has been kind of categorized as the the groups of indi- yeah that is the that is the church the groups of individuals that meet and this mm. and that. Ideally, everyone in Suffolk should be Christians. So everywhere you gather, it's a church. So ideally, what <laughs> now that we've gathered now, we we are the church essentially. Mm-hmm. So in terms of is that many amount of churches needed? Yes. Ideally, the whole of Suffolk should just gather and be Christians. Yeah, but Suffolk's, just, Suffolk's not that big to be having. That but many the, in, in terms of is it productive or is it conducive, then I would have to kind of question how they relate and interact with each other, if that mm. makes sense. Mm. If they're able to communicate and have that love and everything and to function as one, <laughs> then I'd be like, cool. I don't, I don't, personally, I don't think that amount of numbers is necessary because some of the churches might function better if they merged. Mm. And some churches might be back to back, spreading essentially the same message, and we hope. That's why I said essentially I the same message. But it could be, and again, I'm, I don't really know pastors. I don't know anything, so this is just speculation, but um, informed speculation. Um, it could be a case of um, the leadership. Pride from, in terms of this is my position. I'm not going to share this position of leadership with somebody else. So I know that sometimes that hinders two different churches working together because the leadership don't want to hand over that control over their congregation. Mm. So again, it, it has its pluses and it has its negatives. <laughs> <laughs> she agrees. <laughs> Leia's making bare contributions today. <laughs> she's just seen her daddy. <laughs> she's mad happy. She, yeah, she's tuneless. Focus, 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 focus on the podcast. Um, I would have to say that they are necessary in the sense that they exist. So there's people attending those churches, and for that reason. For those people, that church is important, so therefore the church is necessary. Um, but I think the problem is that we, we don't really communicate with other Christians or people outside of our specific church. Mm. Because in Croydon, there's um, Praise House. And I used to do a radio show in one of the rooms. And when I used to go on a Sunday, there would be like four services happening in the building at the same time. Mm. So I would be upstairs trying to do a radio show and I'm hearing like four different songs <laughs> that I could engage with at any one point. Mm. And, um... Oh. Okay, you She wants me. the string. Oh, okay, here you go. Oh, she wants you. Oh, hi, loves. So I think... The problem is, is that there's, there's places that are more successful in their outreach than other churches. So some churches may have been existing in an area for a long time, but haven't had any new members for years. Mm-hmm. Whereas a new church might pop up and be the buzz of the the town and, and reach other people that the other churches are not reaching. So I can't say that some of them are not necessary because then I'd be like, okay, you can close down. <laughs> <laughs> Forget y'all, like, just move over there. But um, it does seem like an excessive number mm. and it, it doesn't seem reflective of what we see in Acts. It just seems a bit overpopulated. That's, that's, that's what I'm thinking, like, in, in Acts, when when the when Christians were in a place, their presence was felt, mm. if that makes sense. Like, there, there was an effect that Christians gathering in one place had. So I'm I'm more curious as to... You know, what effect does this have on, on the area, on the borough of Suffolk? Is it renowned because, you know, they, they're seeing more um, more of God's glory because there's more churches there? Or is it just a matter of we're seeing that, we're just seeing there's more numbers, if that makes sense? Mm. Yeah, mm. so I'm, I'm more curious about 
about that. Do you think there should be a minimum number of, of attendees before a church should be allowed to be called a church? <laughs> no. Uh, never forsake we, the gathering. We are the church. So, wherever we meet, we are the church. So, mm. right now, we are the church in this room. Mm. Because we're all the temple of God. Yeah, well, when I say church, I mean more You're like... You're talking a... about an organisation. <laughs> yeah, good churches get recognised as charities oh, as well, charity. isn't it? Yeah. I think to be recognised as a charity, you have to either have a specific number or a specific... Is it a specific amount of money? You have yeah. To In terms to be recognised as a charity, you your organisation needs a bank account and you need to have had at least five grand come through that bank account oh, before really? they will recognise that your so company when is, your pastor is saying pastor offering for mm-hmm. you know maybe there's a reason they're trying to get charity status so, so a lot of these churches aren't actually churches officially mm. yeah a lot of them are just are just governments of people they, they are their church right but according to what the government would say they wouldn't hold any information on them because when you go to certain churches and you know when they give you like the, the offering um envelope and there's just like your whole life has to be uh, mm. <laughs> put on mm. the front of the envelope mm. yeah. that is for the charity purposes so that they can monitor Gift aid and who is giving how mm. much how often mm. i don't agree with that i always just put the money in the envelope and i write nothing mm. on the front but um <laughs> what about gift aid do you do gift aid um our, our church that we're at right now um does mm. as far as i know mm. yeah so I, f- I think that's a positive thing that because yeah. you're as a charity. But then, if we think about what a charity is supposed to do, it's supposed to be helping the community. Mm. And I don't think that all churches that have charity status are very charitable. Mm. So mm. that's a whole other topic. Oh, yeah. Another topic. Um, that is okay. Okay. So you said. What's your thoughts? My thoughts. I think. <laughs> I think. You have to be of a certain size. I think if you've got like three or four people coming to your services every Sunday, that's more like a, a Bible study session, not not really church. Hey, but those two or three, they could be the ones, yeah, that are bringing down generation changes. Hey, fire! Can you imagine if they're like the intercessors of the whole community? Yeah, but then those two, two or three people could easily just go to. A church just down the road. They could, but if God said, I want you three to come together and pray, then, because that's, that's the thing, like, you, this girl's in German. you don't really know what people's backgrounds are, their history of their church. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times when you, you see big churches and they're having their 50-year anniversary and oh. they show you the pictures of their, when they started... And you get that old mother that was like, and there was just two of us in the one room praying mm. to God. And now, you know, we have Sunday school and youth mm. groups. And, that everyone's got to start first from service, second <laughs> service, <laughs> afternoon service. What don't you find having so many different churches does more to separate the church as a whole? It, we should bring be it more united. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Apologies, guys. Um, I think we definitely should be more united, and that should change. I, I think somebody's gonna have to be the instrument of that. Change. So, how do you think such change can come about? What needs to be done for such a change to happen? If if I can chip yeah, in, because no. there's one, um, there's West Croydon Baptist Church, okay. um, which is literally just south of um, in West Croydon. <laughs> Moses is no longer here, by the way. <laughs> Carry on. Please. Yeah, yeah. West Croydon, um, West Croydon Baptist Church. They do this thing with the churches around. So they've contacted our church. The thing is, I don't think people will be able to hear. <laughs> Sorry, I have to wait. Sorry, they had to calm down a little bit. <laughs> Say goodnight. Oh no! Yeah, it's late. <laughs> she says, What do you mean, bedtime? Oh, the blue one. Thank you. 
Yeah, so West Croydon Baptist Church, um, they actually do this thing with all the churches around West Croydon. So they contacted Praise House, they contacted my church, then they contacted another church, and then all of us together do like a summer thing. So all of us get together and do a, something for the whole community, like a free barbecue, nice. games, uh, is that what stuff like that. You lot did. Oh, yeah, I saw the yeah. pictures. Yeah. I saw my uncle one of your pictures. I'm for real. <laughs> 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 so what's he doing there? <laughs> uh, he was just enjoying the food film. Yeah, so so th- th- I think some churches do do that, and and it's good when all the churches can come together because then regardless of doctrine and stuff like that, we can all gather together under Christ and and do something nice for the community. Do you think churches of the same denomination should come together? Yeah, and like, what as in like oh no, as in like instead of being too. Like say it's not being like two different Methodist churches just come mm. together to become one bigger Methodist church if they're like in, in within the same area. But I think that's going in the opposite direction to the reason why you will have a situation where there's two different Methodist churches because it will always stem from one and then they decide to split up to affect the community differently or to mm. uh, have more effects on the community. So I think that would then be will be viewed as going backwards. And I think if you can do it so that it's in smaller cells, you know, then... It's a bit more effective. It's a bit more effective, it's a bit more intimate. These people can be known by their pastor, by whoever's supposed to be taking care of them. Mm. They can be known personally by him. As opposed to, if it's like a mega church, and, you know, the head pastor, we all come to this pastor's church, and yet he doesn't even know us, you know, then he's not really... Um, shepherding yeah. us in that sense, if that makes sense. And plus, the, um, I don't, I can't say this for the African churches in Southwark, but um, there was a pastor who I can't remember who it was, but um, he said he agrees with another pastor's like doctrinal stance and stuff. But they go to different churches primarily because the means of worship suits them. Mm. so the way they worship in this church suits that pastor and the way they worship in this church suits me some people are loud most African churches are very loud Mm. Um, I'm not really a loud person when I worship so a church that is a bit more quiet and has that sort of um, a sense of meditation and stuff during their worship suits me better Mm. but Jamila is very much on her tambourines just singing and it's to her that sort of worship suits them suits her better mm. so it's a case of it's not even necessarily that they're teaching something totally different but it's just the way in which they worship mm. just suits me better yeah yeah I think that's another thing to definitely consider the fact that this it you know God's for all and he's a God of variety so he creates us all different but then we all have different tastes and different things mm-hmm. that we do. So you have these cells or different groups and it's because they have similar tastes in how they go about things. I think that's that's definitely a factor as well. Okay. Yeah. Do you think okay, how how big is too big when it comes to a church? If it's not effective. If mm-hmm. it's too big and it's not effective. So What do you mean not effective? Too big in the sense of I can come to church and leave and feel like no one noticed me, like no one actually saw me, or no one. Um, especially if I, if so, if someone actually feels like they need that connection, and they can come to church and leave, and no one's been able to make that connection, simply because there's too many people there, mm. you know, and all the leaders, all the pastors have people that they're taking care of, and you are literally falling through the cracks. I think then it might be too big. But you can fall through the cracks in like smaller churches as well, can't you? Uh, I think from from I guess yeah you still can, but it's a bit harder because um, in our church currently everyone knows everyone. Mm. How big is your church? It's like maximum twenty people. Okay, everyone knows everyone. So if you don't come up, if you don't come for one Sunday, because there's only twenty people, if one person doesn't come, they notice that you're not there. Yeah. So when you, it's like someone will check up on you, not because the numbers in church have kind of dwindled, but they'll be like, what, is everything all right? And everyone kind of knows everyone's circumstances, what's going on at home. Obviously, it's not as, it's not 100% where it should be. In every church, there's room for improvement. But 
it's a bit more personal. Mm. In the bigger church, mate. Oh, I swear I saw you on Sunday. No, I wasn't there. Mm. You sure? Yeah, mm. I wasn't there. Oh, I'm sure I saw you. <laughs> <laughs> How big is your church, Peter? Roughly? Um, about 140 on average. Every Sunday. In your church building? In our church building, yeah. Your church building. Well, including, including children. So the children go downstairs and oh, you've okay. got the adults upstairs. Um, but even with that, like, we've got, like, I think six deacons. We've got, like, well, eight elders and about six or seven deaconesses. And all of them are responsible for a certain group of num- a number of people. Mm. Right, so it's still... It's still big, in my in my opinion. It's still big, and if someone's exceedingly quiet, they can still, you know, fall through. But I think there's at least provision for that, um, and and I think it's it's still manageable. Where I can expect the over over seeing elder to at least know everyone by face at the very least. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, what about yours? I mean, your my church. Part of salvation on yeah, my. Well, my core, mm. um, we average about forty people, mm. like like people that will come every week, regularly. Yeah, like two or three Sundays a month. Yeah, like about forty or fifty people. Mm. And yeah, and I think yeah, my pastors will be able to. They know everyone by name, mm. and I think they know more or less everyone's situation, mm. which I think is good. Okay, let me just go back to you quickly. So you see how you said yours is a bit big, mm. but you've got that whole that whole system in place with the deacons and yeah. your... Would that work... Would that kind of system work or be practical for, like, like a mega church like Hillsong? Do you think? I, I think that's the only way some of them make it work. I think that's the only way some of them make it work in the sense of um, they will have the main pastor, but then they'll also have all of these other pastors under him mm. and that are taking care of groups and they'll have the youth, they'll have the men, they'll have the women. Um, and there'll always be, I think there'll be facilities to cater to people. Mm. Um, the problem is I think sometimes it requires the people to be more active or proactive mm. uh, than you can expect from someone who maybe just came to the faith or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah, so... I think it, it, I think that's the only way they they somehow make it work, you know. And obviously there's grace, and obviously the spirit is involved, um, so it's all good. But I think yeah, literally, it's it's structures like that 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 make it work in some of these places. Okay. I think okay. as well, if someone is able to come into your church, if someone's able to come into your church for the first time and leave without getting noticed, that's big. Defined by being noticed. As in, like... Noticed by who? Someone. Not even... Because I know that someone's good. Yeah. Just someone and someone realising that he's new. Okay. Because if the church is so big that, obviously, you're not going to know every single person in the church if you just attend. Mm. But to see a new face and be like, well, like, I've never really seen you around. To start that conversation with the person or something, it's a case of... He's just... As Peter just said, he just slipped through the cracks. Mm-hmm. He's just come, and there's been no real connection. Obviously, God might have led him there to hear the message, and that was all that was meant to happen. Yeah. But it could be a case as well that he came to the church seeking, like just looking for that community. He's coming. You don't know what his personal history is. Mm-hmm. He's coming, sat through the service, put a couple quid into the offering plate. He feels, yeah, I've done my deed. And at the end of it, everyone just kind of just walks by, goes into their little groups, and he's just left there. Mm. And no one really notices him. Then it's kind of like, are we really doing what we're meant to do? Uh, can, I, can I ask, on, um, on a more personal and practical level, what do you find, like for Robert, what do you find is the importance of actually even being in church? Or what does it do for you? Why do you go? Well, for me personally? Yeah. Um, I think I go to church more to serve than anything else. Okay. I, I don't really go for that whole sense of community. He's <laughs> <laughs> getting kicked out of the church. Because <laughs> yeah. mm. I'm, I'm a very antisocial person. Mm. So, 
when it comes to like meet and greet where everyone goes out and says hi to each other how mm. everyone's week has been mm. I don't like that bit mm. so if I can just stay on stage pretend I'm just like fixing my base and that I'll, I'll do, that. do that but I've tried to make a conscious effort to like go out into the pews ask people hi how's your day been how's your week been da, 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 da. it's very awkward mm. but church is a place for people to come and talk and mm. like have community yeah. So, so like I know the importance of that so yeah. you have to make the effort even, even if not for your benefit for for, um, for mm. their benefit because like you're saying people can fall for the cracks yeah. and it could be you you just saying how's your week been mm. and then that could be that person's only source of feeling wanted mm. for, for that whole week mm. yeah but, but 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 like for me personally I, I go there to serve mm. and like I find being in, in like a community like we are now, mm. I find that more beneficial to myself mm. because I'm in a place where I feel safe, I feel comfortable talking about stuff mm. that I wouldn't actually be able to talk about with people I see at church. Mm. Even though we're, it's, it's a church, serve the same God, mm. that are, we're, we're all sinners. Mm. <laughs> we think we serve the same God. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll not get into that. <laughs> mm. But like, yeah, I can't go to... No, I wouldn't feel comfortable going to like most of my church saying, Yeah, I've got this problem, that problem. I saw this babes last night, yeah. What? <laughs> no, pastor's like, Come again? Sorry. <laughs> what? Let us pray for you. Lay hands. And then on Sunday, the, the sermon is about you. It's about you. you. Yeah. It's about who? Last week. This. Hmm. So, yeah, fair. No, I was going to say, Mo, what about you? What about yourself? And if you don't mind even commenting on it, so let me just make this mark so that I can edit it out if you don't want it in. You even switch churches. Mm-hmm. And so, with that in, in, in context as well, what does church do for you? And, um, I view my views on the local churches that is very important for a Christian's growth. Mm. Um, in respect to how much Bible study I might do at home, how much time I can spend in prayer. Mm. If I'm not spending time loving imperfect people, mm. I'm not growing. If I'm not spending time in community with other people that love and serve the God that I serve, I'm not growing. Mm. I'm not growing in love. Jesus says, they'll know, they'll know that you're my disciples by the love you have for one another, yeah. not by how much doctrine you know, how many books you read, mm. how many hours you spend in prayer, know how much love you have for each other. Mm. So I view the local community, the local church as being very important. Mm. Now, I'm very much like Robert, where I don't do big crowds. Mm. I don't do... Um, airing out my problems in a big church or this at church it's like I'm very much about small intimate groups I'm very much about like discipleship mm-hmm. where you spend time with a person and invest in them they invest in you and you can actually grow together because I don't see discipleship mm-hmm. as just one one way we don't do that anymore you know we, like, don't. we don't do proper discipleship yeah. but we'll get to that we'll um, get I don't see that. discipleship as just one way where the pastor just imparts what he's learned onto you mm-hmm. because um, Jesus said that God saw fit to reveal things to babes and to sucklings mm-hmm. that that grown ups didn't know. So I very much view it as even if I am discipling someone, mm-hmm. at any given moment I should be open to learn from that person mm-hmm. and to be challenged by that person. Mm-hmm. So even though it's seen as I'm discipling them, but God is discipling us through each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but I view the most imp- essential part of a church service is. God. Mm. Now it's going to sound trivial. Yeah, that's why we go to church. But it's the case of do our services point towards God or point towards us? Mm. Do our services make most of God or make most of us, even if it's our needs, how great we are, whatever whatever it is. I th- I see that as wrong. Mm. I see it as when we come together, what the pastor needs to do or what the elder or whoever speaking needs to do. It's to point us towards God. And in pointing us towards God, we start to realise that everything that we are or we're going through, we have pales in comparison. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is the fundamentals of what a church should do. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why I changed churches, because I didn't see them doing this. Mm -hmm. Not saying that any church is perfect. Every church will have its pitfalls, as I said. But consistently placing man before God, for me, in a church is a problem. Mm-hmm. Because not only that's that's like the source of the problem, which then trickles down into how people relate to each other. 
Because if you place God in the rightful place within a church, everybody else will be able to have the mind of Christ, to be able to love others more than they love themselves, um, to be able to place others before themselves, to, as Philippians says, have the mind of Christ in the sense that knowing that he, he was made in, like, he was God and he was, it wasn't robbery for him to see himself as God. He laid all of that aside, took on flesh, came down and humbled himself even unto death. And he said, and Paul said, so we should esteem others higher than ourselves and to serve them. But if you're preaching, God is going to answer. God wants you to prosper and he wants you to do this and you to do that. Everyone's going to start focusing on themselves. Mm. But if you're like, this is what God has done for us. So let's do the same. <laughs> Are you just throwing subtle shots at? But <laughs> <laughs> once you to prosper, you to. I'm just thinking. I've heard this before. <laughs> I've heard this on someone's Facebook post about how their preacher said he was praying and he's seen that you will prosper. Type Amen. Mate, mate, this is your year of blessing. Oh, man. What if your blessing is going to come in the form of persecution? No, no, that's not a blessing. That's, that's, uh, that's not. What? Everything that double double. <laughs> I love Peter's rendition of this. Persecution, I double like, Who will say amen to that? Who will say amen to that? That's when it that? goes quiet. Is that what he's like, huh? Uh, I, don't, I, don't I guess it could be argued that persecution is a blessing. Oh, no, it's not even a it's, blessing. It's necessary. It's yeah, promised. It's promised. Mm. If the world hated Christ, how much more his servants? Yeah. We're supposed to be hated. And, this, and yet... It's like in, in the book of Acts when sorry, Peter... Sorry, I kind of went a bit sorry, crazy there. When Peter, when Peter was whipped, <laughs> he left there rejoicing that he was seen worthy to suffer for Christ's sake. Who now... Well, some people will do it. Some people, by the grace of God, would do it. But most in the Western world, if they lose their job because they're Christians, they'll be like, God, you know what, yeah. I tried to stand up for you and I lost my job. You need to fix this. Yeah, yeah I, I, it's even thingy. God, I can't even talk to people. Talking for myself. And being in a place where... I caught myself praying uh, recently, I think two days ago or something, and I saw this um, opportunity, and I was like, I really wanted it, so praying that I really have it. And then God put in my heart, Christ praying in Gethsemane, mm. and the fact that he prayed to the extent of sweating as like the, as like blood, mm. right? Um, and suffixed his prayer, or always ended his prayer with not my will, but yours. And I was like, yeah, you can want something. You can deeply desire something that's fine you can bring it before God that's fine but then are you prepared to not take it if it's not God's will <laughs> and uh, I caught myself praying and I haven't I didn't get the opportunity but it's like I feel better now if I because I prayed God not my will but yours be done mm. there was no circumstance where I would want something better than what God, God wanted yeah. and I'll say this I, I at my church we had someone come and preach now this person isn't an elder in the church. I can't remember where he's from, but I specifically remember him preaching about King Hezekiah and how Hezekiah changed God's mind. Mm. God had told Hezekiah that you're about to die. Hezekiah, oh God, you know, remember this that I did and that's that I did for you, this that I did for you. Um, don't let me die now. Let it be, you know, let me live. Um, and God changed, God changed his mind, let him live for a little bit longer. Uh, and the preacher was saying, do stuff in church, do good stuff so that you can use it to bargain with God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, I'm not joking. Yeah. I'm not joking. And like people see me in church sometimes and see like, I don't look happy. And it's like, because sometimes I'm listening. Like I'm listening. <laughs> people see me in church and they say, I don't look happy. <laughs> no, I don't. Like, they're like, uh, Peter, like, is there something wrong? Like, I'm listening. That's why I'm not happy. <laughs> Because the person left it there. And if you ever talk about straight out of context, like you guys throw shots at some of these people. I'm seeing this thing. The guy didn't talk about what happened to Hezekiah in the end. The fact that his death was actually more horrific than it would have been. The fact that he, um, I think he lost his salvation, like, yeah. in he essence. destroyed, he essentially destroyed the nation because yeah. he just opened yeah. up the place to spies to come and yeah. loot the place. Mm. And if he had died at the appointed time, that would not, you'd have died... And you would be a good... You, all the things that you claim to have done for God, they can actually, you know, remember yeah. you whatever. It would have been good. But you chose to bargain with God. You got what you bargained for and it ended up being worse. No, he didn't say that. The first preaching didn't say it. He said, do good things so that... And this is the mentality that sometimes I see us having. 
um, where it's do good so that you get good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's do good so that God will bless you. And there's so much focus on God blessing you. Yeah. Even on Facebook. Today alone, oh, stop scrolling and share and God will bless you. <laughs> oh, um, I was praying, I saw 700 miracles. One is for you. Type amen and you'll see a miracle. Mm. These times it's like 2 million amen, so 700. I've already missed out. <laughs> um, like, I see so many of these things and it's like, I get, I get frustrated. And I don't type amen and I don't share it. And they sound like, oh, stop scrolling and share. Jesus, continue scrolling, devil, and just continue scrolling. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, let the devil come, innit? It's all good. It's, it's, it's annoying because that's the, that's the kind of impression that we have. And to speak about what church does for me, very much like yourself. And it's, I'm surprised because, not surprised, but we are all kind of like, we don't do big crowds. We're kind of reclusive and, and a bit um, quiet and stuff like that. And yet we're all poets and we all stand in front of... <laughs> hundreds of people and 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 the air dirty clothing um, but like i don't i don't like doing that as well so i always stay in the top there uh, at the media desk i'm like oh yeah i'm sorting out media but i stay behind my camera and like, i'm taking pictures <laughs> don't talk I to stack me shares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, stuff but i find i i go to church sometimes just because the bible says to do so like sometimes i don't feel like going to church but i'll go because the bible says do not give up on the gathering of the brethren. Um, and also to learn, to to, to um, hear something in the Bible, to hear something in the preaching that God could use to speak to me in some mm. way, means or form. Um, and lastly, to give, to serve, mm. to um, be a contribution to someone's life, to notice someone, mm. smile at someone, say something to someone. Uh, I think, yeah, that that's why I find myself going to church on, on the Sunday. Can I, can I ask a question? Mm. So you see when this guy was just, like, talking reckless mm. during his sermon? Mm. How come he did, like, get up and... Yeah, like, bless I, I should have. I, I, not, not even should have, but it would have been seen as disrespectful. Yeah. Um, and it wouldn't... I would have been able to make a point, but I wouldn't have been able to win anyone's heart. I wouldn't have been able to... Not win anyone's heart, but get... I wouldn't have been able to make a change. I'd make a point, but I wouldn't make a change. Mm. You know, I'd I'd be I'd get up and be like, well, what about his end? And I'd question it. And it would be seen as a big move. It would be seen yeah, Peter doesn't take crap, and then whatever. But, <laughs> <laughs> but who would actually learn from it? Mm-hmm. Who would actually take anything from it? It would look flashy yeah. in the time, but it wouldn't actually make a difference. And so, knowing, knowing um, the African culture as well, They'll be more focused on his perceived disrespect, yes, rather than the point. It wouldn't be anything. It wouldn't be anything about. Oh, actually, he was saying something sensible. Or be Peter has no respect, and he thinks he knows everything. So, what do you think the remedy for such situations is? I I I think personally, what I try to do is infuse as much of the the right as possible. So, where he stood and preached and whatever, wherever I get the chance to, and luckily I get a chance to speak sometimes at church, is to preach what I believe is truth or what I see in the Bible as mm. truth, if that makes sense, and try to do that as much as possible. But I'm talking more like, so, so he's talked about bargaining with God, so then people have gone away with that mentality in yeah. their mind. Yeah. So, what's the way to get that mentality out of their mind I in wish- a way that won't get you in trouble or seen as a trouble I, I don't really mind the trouble aspect I mind being effective like people that know me think I want to get suspended at church I don't <laughs> I just don't like I don't want that to happen um, I don't care if it does this is a problem if, if I'm doing is a it deacon God, in this church <laughs> if I'm doing it if I'm doing it because I believe God wants me to do it mm. then I'll do it as such so I wish I could have that effect on everyone I don't think I can on my own. So mm-hmm. what I tend to do is, like at Bible study, if I have a chance to, and I've brought this up at Bible study mm-hmm. before, um, where it's more intimate, we're allowed to ask questions. When someone's preaching from a pulpit, you're not necessarily allowed to ask questions. We've been having Bible study, and there's been this mentality, and I'll ask the question, do you not think it sounds more like you're selling God's blessing? right? Mm-hmm. And it's up to the pastor to correct me, and I'm open to correction by God's grace. Um, I'm open to being wrong. Or hopefully make the pastor see that actually maybe we're just approaching this from too much of an African point of view. Mm. Maybe we are trying to sell the blessings. And don't get me wrong, there are principles in the Bible. God does say, test me in paying your tithes and I'll open the stars of heaven. Yeah, okay, fine. He does say that. So you do see some of these things 
people doing it and people getting the blessing and it's because God has promised it right all the promises of God are yea and amen anyway in Christ so fair enough but it's like in those instances where I'm, I'm actually allowed to speak and people have a reason to listen I try and then present what I believe is truth mm-hmm. for critique and also if it is truth then the truth will do its, do mm-hmm. its job that's how I think of it. To add to that as well, I find this this is another thing that I like about small intimate groups. Because if someone says something that I don't agree with, in a small intimate group, I can then affect the people I'm around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just be like, oh, like talk over it and just present mine. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a lot more effective because there's less people, so everyone has the time to kind of share their views mm-hmm. and we're able to discuss it. So I'm able to fully use the bible to underpin mm-hmm. why i oppose that statement mm-hmm. to use a a similar um story as well in one of my first church the pastor was talking about why we should evangelize mm-hmm. um he said first it's because it's commanded um it was three reasons i think it's commanded um something else and then he said the final and most important one is sometimes us evangelizing and winning souls. Um, no, I think the second one was there's a proverb where it says the um, wise shall win souls or something like that, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said the final one was, and to him the most important one, is that when you win souls, God answers your prayers. So if you have a request, he said he had a request and God wasn't answering it. He went out, evangelized and won a soul and God answered that prayer. Really? So he said, that's one of the most important reasons why we should win souls. And that, that was one of the last straws why I left that church. <laughs> Because I was like, the glory of God has in no way, shape or form been mentioned Mm. in your three reasons why we should evangelize. Yes, it's been commanded. Yes, the righteous, um, he who saves the souls, righteous or whatever, this and that. God might answer your prayers after after you win a soul. But God is glorified when you talk about him. Mm. If God means so much to you, you part of your worship. If you if you really enjoy video games, you won't help but speak about video games. Mm, mm. And in you continually speaking about video games, in a sense, you're worshiping the games because mm. worship is making much of something. Mm. So if you make much of God, you will speak about Him. Mm. Even if you don't speak about it, your life will kind of show, reflect that you make much of God. Yeah. And as you do that, he is glorified. Mm. There was no mention of the glory of God. There was no mention of Christ is exalted when we speak about him. There's no... Everything is just... That's not his focus. That's not his... Yeah, his prayers answered. <laughs> there, there, there's a, I, an interesting challenge, and I'll, I'll let you speak. Facebook, I think, allow you to check the most used words of the last year. Mm. So I actually checked my 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 most used words last year, which is quite it was quite gay typical <laughs> love, <laughs> faith, and then something else I can't remember. But it's like yeah, ch- I challenge readers and you guys like check what your most used words last year was. I'll have to find that. That's interesting. That was funny. How many reckless statements do you think someone should be is allowed to make before you, <laughs> <laughs> before you say you know what yeah, you can't preach again? <laughs> Depends on your level. <laughs> Okay, um, let's okay. Let's start at the top and work, work our way down. So, what would you classify as the top? He's talking reckless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let's start. Sit at, up, sit sniper up. rifle, <laughs> reckless. Okay, let's start. Is there anything higher than pastor? What do you think pastor is the top top? It depends on the church that you're yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. For, yeah, pastor would probably be. Okay, so are we looking at. Pastor's like. Yeah. Yeah, 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 pastor. Are we looking at an individual church? Yes. All right. Okay. Um, so, so, like, if your pastor had this thing about making reckless statements every so often, how many is, is, he, is he allowed to make before you think? For me, obviously, if you're a pastor, that means you've put in some work. 
you have not let me quantify this yeah in terms of you didn't okay again not not always but you didn't become a pastor overnight like it mm. took you some time some some people just wake up i'm a pastor yeah <laughs> this is the thing like unfortunately i've had to, I've had to shoot i'm not i don't i don't mean to sound like i'm this arrogant guy but i had to shoot down this one guy yeah we were in a bbm group and he's like yeah i'm a pastor as soon as he said that, yeah, I was like, hmm, okay, okay, let's, let's, you know what, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Okay. And then he said, yeah, he's, he's, he's stacking a million pounds to start his church. And I'm like, to start, <laughs> to start. So wait, you don't have a congregation, you call yourself a pastor. You need a mill to start. And then he said, oh, he's, um, yeah, he was reading um, Smith Wigglesworth's book and he he learned some concepts and he's he wants to put implement them and i was like where is god in that sentence yeah, <laughs> yeah i had to just yeah. just mm, and then mm. right after uh, after that hand me down talk here yeah, he left the bbm group <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and then he said mm, yeah moses i always knew there was something about you and then he just left but um had he started his church? I, 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 I hope not. <laughs> you if know he, that when he preaches about demons, you're the one he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and some people said I'm not a pastor. But, um, yeah, if, if you're a pastor, then I would expect that you have spent some time at the feet of God, learning, studying, not to just come and spew any old babble. To the congregation, so I would expect your understanding of the word to be at least decent. Mm. So I will hold you more accountable for what you said. As the as the Bible says, not all should esteem to be teachers. For mm. you be held more accountable for what you said. James five. So I will hold you more accountable. So I'm going to give you less room for error. If your errors are like one degree off. I'd be like, all right, cool. Like, not everyone's going to say everything exactly the way I think they should say it. And sometimes the way I think they should say it might not necessarily be right. And when you say one degree, is that one degree every time you preach <laughs> One reckless statement. Or is it like, like once in a while you'll say something? No, it's like, not every time he preaches, it's like there's a lot, mm, all right, I can kind of see where you're coming with that. But if, if you come off on a tangent... Like, every time you start prayer group, we are going to destroy the demon in your auntie's camp. I'm leaving your church. <laughs> I'm leaving your church. Yeah? Like, and that's another reason I left the church. <laughs> They're destroying too many aunties. Blood. But it's, it's just like, if I... What I tend to do is what I tend to boil your message down. So I'll boil it down and be like, what are you... What's the primary thing you're, you're saying? So if the primary thing you're saying is man-centred, I'll listen to you consistently. If I see that your message is consistently man-centred, I'll be like, all right, I can't listen to you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you say um, everyone goes to heaven, hey, your theology is off. <laughs> I need to leave this church. If you say, but even, even that, I was speaking at school today, a guy was saying he's Catholic and the Catholic Church believed that every religion will eventually get to God. Yeah. Um, they just have a different route. Only the Catholic route is the most direct, but every religion has a route to God. And I'm like, oh, you yeah. can you cannot read about you cannot be reading the Bible. It's as simple as that. Hmm. Um, so yeah, for me but as as I as you come down the ladder, if you're just like a cell group leader then I don't, I would want you to be in your word, but mm. I don't expect you to be in your word as much as I would expect a pastor to be in his word. Don't you think it, it's, it's more dangerous if a cell group leader it is? It is more dangerous, but I think for a cell group leader, there's a bit more leeway because as a cell group leader, you're only meant to be a facilitator. You're not necessarily meant to take control, take the reins of the conversation and steer it. You're meant to allow the group as a group to talk and to discuss and ask questions mm. um, so yeah you can get away with it but because it's a cell group you can get directly challenged as Peter was saying mm. you can get challenged you, your theology can get questioned and hopefully we'll learn from one another 
But the more higher up you get, the more people hold on to what you say. So the more you have to ensure that what you're saying is in line with the word of God, so I'll hold you more accountable. And if, depending on your message, I would be like, yeah, hmm, I don't really get it. So I have asked a couple of pastors, I'm just like, yo, so what what I going for that? But, um, yeah, if it's if it's man-centred, I can't feel it. If you're, like, defacing an attribute of God or something like that, I can't, I can't vibe with it. If you're elevating one attribute above another, I can't really vibe with it. Mm. So, yeah. I think, for me, it's, it's not necessarily how many reckless statements you make. I think it's more... It will have to be, like, like um, I don't know if you said it, but I know you did it, praying and seeing what God wants me to do mm. with regards to, should I even stay here? if they're talking this because at one point when I did want to leave my church one of the elders um, did say to me what if God wants you here to make a change and then you're just leaving so pray about it and see see what I'm thinking and praying about it I felt to stay not because I think I can make a change but at least because I know that God has used me in some capacity mm. to, to, to make some change and, and to do stuff like that so it's more it will be a matter of consistency, a matter of attitude. You know, um, Paul was humble enough to ask for prayer, you know, from the people that he was preaching to, from mm-hmm. the people that he was shepherding. Um, some preachers, and I've heard prophets say this, don't don't pray for me, pray for yourself. <laughs> me, I'm a prophet, you think I need your prayer? I've <laughs> actually heard this before. Like, no joke, I've heard this before. Uh, and And I remember sitting there thinking, really? <laughs> you know, guys, you uh, should have seen with Peter's eyes just open the doors <laughs> And yeah, if if your attitude is like that, I probably won't stick in the church longer. I will pray about it. Mm. Um, but you know, there are other preachers as well that are open to if you know more theology to bring your theology, and they'll incorporate you into Bible studies, or they'll try and make use mm. of that gift that God has given you. Because they're not all people are called to. Well, not even all people have the grace to study. Mm-hmm. As we, as as some people study, you know, um, I I consider my university degree a blessing because it taught me how to research properly, and I can research in my Bible properly. I have that skill from university; I can apply it to my Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, theologians have that skill; they approach the Bible almost on the, um, almost from that that level of discipline mm-hmm. with that level of discipline. Um, and, and God's able to reveal things to them. If you're a pastor and that's not your calling, fine, that's not your calling. Pastor, you, you pastor people, you help people, you are more of a loving father kind of figure. You can incorporate these people into mm-hmm. into what you do, you know, and make use of the gifts God has given them. He gave them for the body. You know, you are not going to be the be end or be all of the church. You're just going to be a facilitator for God to do what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely think... In those instances, you know, the pastor might say something reckless. It might not be with malicious intent. It might not even be that they're just focusing on God. It might just be that they haven't studied enough. If they're willing and they're humble enough to accept those mistakes, when they realise that it is, then I don't see any reason to leave. Mm. It'll just be a matter of prayer and see what God wants. How about yourself? I think for me, like, a switch happens when I go from... (laughs) (laughs) And I've only just realised recently that I do this. There are some people I'll, I'll, I'll listen to them and I'll go from listening to them to gain wisdom for what they were saying mm. and instead I'll like almost try and see how many points I can get yeah, from, yeah. From, from like taking off all the things that, that, yeah. that they're saying wrong. Yeah. So I think when it gets to that stage where I'm not, I'm not trying to get edified, I'm just trying to... Pick and, out their flaws. Yeah, mm. and it's, it's not even like I'm going to go and say actually well, what, um, what you were saying was wrong yeah. I'll just be mad yeah 10 points today <laughs> um, what's it it's interesting um, Spurgeon yeah. wrote I can't remember where it was but I read it from him that there was a man who every week would send him a list of all the mistakes that he had made in a sermon yeah. every week without fail <laughs> At one time, the guy just wrote, check last week's notes. <laughs> 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 but as he, he actually said he looked forward to it. Mm. Mm. 
to be able to know that all right cool but not all that the guy said was right yeah definitely but it gave him the opportunity to study and to be like all right did i actually let me see if that's actually incorrect to double check it and to correct himself if he if he is going wrong yeah um but he had the grace to do that. Mm-hmm. Some pastors don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I don't feel like I'm going to church just to disprove the pastor. Because that's bad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, that's necessary. Um, there's a thing as well. Um, John Piper mentioned that he used a specific word. Um, he said, I think he mentioned it was like a Bible sense. When you've read, you've, you've, come, you've become so acquainted with the word that you hear something, oh yeah, and you know it's not right, yeah. But you don't know what's wrong with it, yeah. You just know, nah, that's that's somehow not right, yeah. I get that with it's like a pastor says something I'm like, hmm, that's not right, mm-hmm. but I can't pinpoint it. Yeah, but that's yeah, not right. Yeah. When that happens, I listen to more of their messages just to be able to figure it out. Mm. Um, I'm not going to mention names, but um, yeah, there's been a few. I'm like, I listen to it and I'm like, there's something iffy about your message. Like, everything sounds sound, mm. but there's one thing that is not sitting well with me. Mm. But because it sounds sound, I'll continue listening to it until I figure it out. Mm. And I figured it out like two, three sermons into it. I was like, all right, cool. That, that's what, what was wrong. Mm. Um... To develop your Bible spider senses, guy. Yeah. <laughs> do you think do you have to go to Bible school before you, you can be recognised as a pastor? Um, I don't, personally, I don't think so. I don't think um, after Jesus, anyone went to Bible school for a while. Mm. I think. So do you think? Then do you think you need some sort of training? before you can go so personally I think it's you need the call like you need to know God's calling you to do this Mm. like it has to be what God is saying first and foremost and then I think some sort of discipleship is is necessary and beneficial Uh, definitely some sort of um, some sort of um, discipleship is definitely necessary Mm -hmm. so if that could be translated into you know, Bible college or Bible school or training, whatever. Discipleship is always good. Um, mm. So I think that's the case. I don't think you need qualifications mm. per se to be a, a pastor. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's not biblical. It's not actually in the Bible. I don't think it is. I'm trying to scan through right now. Bible school. Think it is. But um, God doesn't call the qualified, the qualified is the called. Mm. I don't think the verses in the Bible. Yeah. I think it's, it's taken pre- yeah. from it. It's yeah. taken from the way God um, does things. And Paul says, um, "God has qualified us to be ministers." I think it's Second Corinthians or First mm-hmm. Corinthians. Yeah. God has qualified us to be ministers of the word, not of the letter, but of the spirit. Mm-hmm. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Mm-hmm. And I think, as Peter said, that is the fundamental. As God qualified you mm-hmm. for this position, if God hasn't you're only going to be doing more harm than good. Um, Secondly, I don't think formal theological studies is important, but I think you being in your word is. Mm. Um, I know I've looked at working in churches and theological studies is pretty much standard. They want to know that you've got some sort of theological studies. Um, they want to know that you, you're dedicated to what you want to do and this and that. But do you think that's a bad thing? I think if emphasis is placed on it, then it's, it's a bad thing. I haven't been to an interview. I haven't got that far to be asked, oh, so where did you do your theological studies or what did you study or anything like that? I think the emphasis should be in your word. So if they're to question you on different beliefs to see if your understanding of the word or your grasp of theology kind of matches theirs, that would be more beneficial. Um, I believe they will do that. As I said, I haven't been to an, an interview within a church, but um, I don't think it's essential. I think it might be beneficial. I think what is essential is you being in your word, mm. devotionally and um, as a student. That's a question. 
if theological studies is essential. To be a pastor, you need to have some sort of Bible training. or No, (laughs) no, it's not. It can also be detrimental. Yeah. Mm. As it Mm. can lead to pride and reliance on self instead of... Sorry. Yeah, Um, I was going to say. It can lead to pride and reliance on self and studies rather than the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Bible says the Holy Spirit teaches you what you need to know. Yeah. You yeah. have no need that anybody teach you. So, and and also, if you're, if, I mean, if you're going to go to a Bible college, I think you have to be very careful about where you go mm-hmm. because a lot of interpretation of scripture is man's interpretation mm-hmm. and it's, it's not from God. So you could go and actually wind up Losing like the doctrine that you started, you could become like the foolish Galatians and um, just mess up the thing. So, I don't think it's bad in and of itself, but I think what happens is that that same mindset that the pastor is the one that needs the degree Mm. is how we've set up church to revolve around one man having the revelation for the whole church, mm. which is also very um, concerning. Mm. And it's too much pressure mm-hmm. to put on one guy. Like, he might just be incorrect. Like, let the Holy Spirit lead. Anyway, um, I will be departing at this time. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we're going to round up anyway. Yeah, um, I want to drop like a quick slide tackle into that. Um, don't tackle me. Yeah, look, look, look. <laughs> my slide tackle. I'm on your team. Don't worry, I'm slide tackling. Oh, okay. Whoever they may be. Um, I've seen past on the flip side as well. I've seen pastors who have become prideful that they didn't have any theological studies, but have become pastors. Mm-hmm. So again, I think it's very crucial to remain yeah, humble. And I think I'm and, yeah. a bragging point. Yeah. Good. Um, and also, Paul in the book of Galatians again, he said the gospel I preach wasn't taught to me but it didn't come it um, wasn't taught to me by a man who I didn't mm. study it mm. it came by the revelation of Christ mm. now Paul was big time Pharisee like he was mm. he was knee deep in this and he said it wasn't taught to me but it came by the revelation of Christ so he's not doing away with his studies because he still mentions it but he's saying that's not where the gospel I preach to you comes from it backs it up and it it verifies it but the gospel I preach came from the revelation of Christ. Mm. And I think that's that's essential. Can I add something else? She's back. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think as well that we don't look at the, the biblical definition of what a pastor is supposed to do. Mm. Because mm. it's about a love for the sheep. And yeah, it's about yeah. a love for the flock. Yeah. And the ministry of a teacher is separate. Yes. And so you can be a pastor. Yeah. And not be teaching no one. You yeah. could just be making sure that the the flock is cool, like they're fed, yeah, and they're okay. And I think that the fact that we expect the pastor to have all the other gifts as yes, well yes, yes, is the problem yes. yeah. in itself. Yeah. If the teacher's doing what they're supposed to do, and the pastor's doing what they're supposed to do, and the evangelist and the apostle, and who's that myself? Prophet. The prophet. <laughs> sorry, prophet. Sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> then the church will run as it's meant to yeah. rather than just being like, oh, we need a sick pastor yeah. and forget about everybody else. Yeah. That, that reminds me, just uh, again, just last, last, <laughs> last, last one, last one, is, is the fact that indeed, you know, we say pastor being the highest, whatever, but, you know, that's where you need people that are willing to do it as God wants them to do it because he's given mm-hmm. these gifts differently. So you've got your pastors, your teachers, whatever. And they're all different people. They don't necessarily have to be one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might have the grace to do all of them. But if God's blessed someone else, you don't stay there and because you want to have the proper, you're not letting anyone mm-hmm. else speak. These times, maybe you're a pastor, all you're good at doing is loving on people. Mm-hmm. Call them in the middle of the night, make sure they're okay. That's your job. <laughs> you're not supposed to be there. Do your job. In, in, in the pulpit every single Sunday not letting anyone else speak when there's a teacher sitting down mm. taking all of his biblical knowledge and God's revelation and then taking that to home to his wife every evening like, mm. you know. to add to what Peter <laughs> <laughs> to add to what Peter said yeah just to throw light from a different angle I personally don't believe that God will place the grace well God is going to God's grace as he sees fit and I could be wrong but I don't see that God will place the grace on one person to fulfill all five roles Mm. because he said he's placed us for the edification of each other Mm. so if he places all five graces on one person that person then 
essentially self-sufficient and can think that I can do without. Mm. But again, God can do anything he wants to do. So if he wants to place all five graces on a person, he can. I believe that the graces will be placed into different people and they will work as one, as a unit, to mm. kind of show the love of God and the, the unity within the Godhead. Mm. Um, and God working through different people to... Um, to fulfill his purposes. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's what I add. Okay. Well, I'm not gonna add anything because <laughs> I've got a train to catch you. <laughs> but before we round up, um, thank you guys for listening. Um, the Twitter handle is at no at yeah at the Furnace UK. All one thing, no lowercase, no nothing. The special shout out to uh, Partners in Rhyme www.partnersinrhyme They give us uh, the intro and outro done music no, done no. Are you going to tell them email address? Yeah, email address is tbsfurnace at hotmail.com Send If you want to give us any questions or just tell us we're amazing yeah. that. The SoundCloud is now up SoundCloud Sheesh. is up We will be on iTunes by the end of tonight Ooh. So I'm not done what you by, love about that by, um, by Monday, Monday being the 18th, I believe, you should be able to find us on iTunes as well. What's the What's the SoundCloud? Um, the Blacksmith Furnace. Okay. The Blacksmith's Furnace, but no apostrophe. Is Is the podcast going to be available on? Because I know that like Sony's got a podcast. Um, yes. At, yeah. If well, if you search for it, so being once I put it on iTunes, it'll be in syndication, nice. um, and the RSS feed will be out there. So, nice. so um, any app that you've got, anything, they all look at the RSS feed and look for the RSS feed. And once that's out there, they'll it'll be available. Black so anything, friends. you've got an iPod, you've got soundcloud you've got any app that can send you've got old school computer Ooh, <laughs> don't um, worry type in the Blah. blacksmith's furnace you should be able to Blah. find this they're normally the black one yeah. what, what is this SFX thing that you're doing Blah. I can't do more to edit it in someone give me the sign please anyway thank you very much for joining us today please like share comment and we'll see you next time. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs>